Well, Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33. Matthew 6, 6, 33. We're in a series uh, this month to begin the year entitled Seek First. And this verse is where we come from. So let's go back to our foundation. And I want to add some more layers on today. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first. Come on, say that with me. Seek first. Let's say it one more time. Seek first. What? His kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Man, if we could get our faith around that. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. You know, we read a couple of weeks ago, you know, all the things. If we look at the previous verses, all the things we run after, what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to wear, where I'm going to live, all the things that gobble up our time and our energy and our effort. Now, let me help you with something. When the Bible says, seek first his kingdom, that doesn't say that's the only thing you can do. To be a good Christian doesn't mean you have to come sit here in this building all day, every day. Everybody get that? To be a good Christian doesn't mean that that seeking God's the only thing you do. It means it's the first thing that you do. Does that make sense? It doesn't mean you've got to come hide out in a commune. In fact, that's not the will of God. It doesn't mean to be a great Christian that the only thing you can do is walk around and sing worship songs all day. Come on, haven't heard what I said? Now, I love to sing worship. You love to sing worship? And, and, and the Bible says we're praying without ceasing. We're continually aware of the presence of God. But you have to go to work, right? You got to pay bills, right? It's okay to go play golf sometime and go fishing, shoot a duck. You know, it's okay. Huh? But what we're doing as believers, we're living in this real world, aren't we? And we have things we need to do. But we're doing what? Seeking first his kingdom. It's our priority. It becomes our north star. It becomes the compass. It becomes how we do what we do. It, it's the, it's the, the way we walk through life. Seek first his kingdom. And he says all those things that have you worried and stressed and concerned about, God will add those to you as you trust him and begin to seek him first. What did we learn? If I try to put second things first in my life, what happens? I lose the second thing and the first thing, don't I? Everything I put in God's place never will work out. Everything I put where I should be placing God in my life, ultimately I lose that and I've left the, the life, the privilege, the blessing of having God center of my life. What, is it, what, what does scripture say? Jesus said, if the man tries to save his life, he'll lose it. But if a man will give his life to me, he'll find everything that he's looking for. Over and again, we see this principle of first things, of seeking God first, of putting him first. Here, here's what I want you to see. Let's, let's add a layer to this today. When putting God first, okay? Putting God first always requires faith, all right? Putting God first always requires faith. Let me say something about faith so we understand this. Uh, a synonym for the word faith in scripture is simply trust. Trust. Why is that an important word? Because we have so many people trying to define what is faith, Do I have faith? Do I have enough faith? I want to say it again. To put God first will always require faith. But I want you to understand biblical faith, what the Bible says about faith. I want you to think of it in the context of trust. Trusting God, having faith in God is the foundation of, of, of Christianity. Do you hear that statement? Faith in God is the foundation of everything you do as a Christian. Look at these verses in Ephesians 2. Uh, verses 8 through 10. And let's think about trusting and having faith. Watch this. For it is by, how have we been saved? Grace. What does grace mean? You know, tell me, what is grace? Unearned favor. Unearned favor. How many are thankful that God gave us grace that we didn't pay for? He didn't say cheap. 
It didn't say, for it is by cheap you've been saved by grace. What, who, who paid the price if we didn't? Christ did on the cross. So how are we saved? By grace. Not by our works. Not by what we've accomplished. Not by our ability. Not by our money. Not by our preaching. Not For by grace have we been saved. But then look, what. but how do we access that? For by grace have you been saved? How? Through, through trust in God. So God did his part. The price is paid. Christ died on the cross. Three days later, he was raised from the dead. The ability for every person on this planet. We sang it today. Eight billion different reflections of God's heart. Everyone on the planet has access to the grace of God. That's why we work so hard in kingdom builders to let them know about that. Many people have never heard that. Everyone has the opportunity to be saved because of grace. But how do we receive that grace? Through faith. Through trusting God. You take God at his word. Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Let, let, let me just stop. Okay, go on. Not by works, so that no one can boast. And look at verse 10. For we are God's handiwork. I love the work. One translation says, you're God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You were made to do something great for God. Tell a person next to you, you're great. Go ahead and tell them that. You, you're great. I don't know if you heard it. I don't, you don't look very, what would I say? You don't know, I don't know if you believe that, what you just said to that person. I'll put it like that. I don't know if you're convinced. I want you to try to, let, let, let's start here. Let me help you out. What did you say? You were created to do something good. Come on, let's start there. You were created to do something good. And if you stay at it, it'll be great. Come on, tell them that. Come on. <laughs> Let me help you get there. Created to do something good, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's what God did. Let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Look at this. What did I tell you? Watch this. Faith is the what? Foundation of Christianity. Trusting God is the foundation for, it's, it's critical, see? We seek first. We go after God. We, it's, it's impossible to put God first without having faith, without trusting him. When you put God first, you're trusting. Look at this. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? Why? Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who what? Earnestly seek him. So without faith, I cannot please him. Why? Because anyone who comes to him must believe what? That he, how many believe he exists? You believe there's a God? I believe that. Do you know everybody on live stream and Facebook live believes that? Do you know 99.9% of the people on this planet believe that? The, the majority of atheists believe in God. They're just mad at him. You hear what I just said? That, 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 their struggle is not. They're really not an atheist. An atheist doesn't believe in the existence of God. Most of them believe in God. He just won't do what they want them to do. Or he won't do what they, they you know, they want to be God. Let him come cosign. Right? So they're just mad or upfret, upset or frustrated. But I believe that he exists and that what? He rewards those who come after him. So you see, see, now watch this. Why do I say faith is the foundation of Christianity? Because religion, the foundation of religion, watch this, is going to help you. The foundation of religion is works and ritual. It has nothing to do with faith. Religion says I have to earn God's favor. 
Religion says I work for God's favor. Religion says if you do these 10 things, God will like you. That's religion. See, religion is based on works and a ritual. But Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship. And in a relationship, what makes every relationship work? Trust. You will never have a relationship with a person you don't trust. You will never have a marriage that works or love that lasts that's not based on trust and respect. You may start off with looks and goosebumps. And, look, and looks are better than bad looks. Goosebumps are better than bad. No, okay, you may start off with looks and goosebumps. But every true lasting relationship is built on trust and respect. Trust and respect. How many heard what I just said? Now, every once in a while... You'll get, you know, something will happen and, and a crazy guy like George Sawyer gets saved and God blesses him beyond, you know, I, I married over my head. You know, I outpunted my coverage. I married above myself and I got looks and God with, with Phyllis. See, you know, in, in essence, what happened, men, if you're a godly young man, God will give you a righteous fox if you really do the right thing. See, see, and, and it'll stay that way. It just is what it is. Favor ain't fair, but I'm thankful for the blessings of God in my life. And so you just get the whole thing when you make God. Oh, I just, listen, if you, you get the whole thing when you make God the first thing. Come on, how many understand? I'm preaching now. See, see you just got to, you got to line it up and go. All right, that, that wasn't premeditated, but it works. So what do, you, what do you see? Why is faith so important as a believer? Because you're really saying trust. See, Christianity is not a religion of works and ritual and duties. It is a relationship of trust. Why do we put God first? Because I trust him. Why do I say I'm going to follow your direction? Because I've learned to trust him. Is everybody with me on this? All right. So, so watch this. God's gift to us. His gift to us, Jesus Christ. This wonderful salvation. I'm taking you somewhere. We're talking about putting God first. Does what? Always requires faith. Faith is critical to Christianity because it's relationship-oriented, not works and duties and ritual. I'm trusting you. It's a simple fact. Why do I put God first? I trust him. Why do I do what he says? I trust him. Why do I follow him when I don't know where I'm going, but I believe he does? Because I trust him. Why? Because we're in a relationship. He's proven himself faithful. He loved us first. He loved us first, right? So Jesus is God's first fruits to us. Let's look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Romans 5, 8. Let's look at this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. What was it? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see the faith God had to give his son Jesus Christ? He gave Jesus what? First. He died on the cross first. While we were still sinners, God gave. While we were lost, God gave. Without knowing who would accept him and who wouldn't, God gave. Are you with me? God gave his son. He was the first fruits. He was the gift of faith. God gave. While we were still in sin, God didn't say, get your act together, go to church for a year, quit doing this, act right, say this, do that, give me enough money and you can get saved. He said, while you're in your worst moment, I'm going to give you my best. See that gift? Faith, putting someone first, always requires faith. Look at this next verse in Romans. Chapter 8, look at this one, verse 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Watch this. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they don't belong to him. So see, we, we connect. Now that's, that's 8, 9, that we connect to him. So, so think of this. Let's go back to this. When we have 
we go back to what is first. Putting God first takes faith. God exercised faith to give us his son. It's the foundation of our Christianity is faith, trust. When, when he said, bring me the first of your flock or herd. Remember, we studied that. The firstborn belongs to God. How, well, why is that faith? Because you gave him the first. You don't know if that animal is going to ever have any more offspring. That animal might die before it has another offspring. That animal might be caught by a predator and never have another offspring. So we don't give God one of the flock. It's the first. Why? Because it requires faith. When the first fruits came up, he, he used to get the first fruits. And we gather the very first fruits of the harvest and we give it to God. Why is that faith? Because we could have a drought and nothing else grows, right? There could, there, there could uh, be a, a hundred different things that happen. Blight or disease comes on a crop and it dies. But you give God first. Every time you put God first, what happens? You're exercising faith. You're saying, God, I trust you. That, that's that honorable walk before God. We, we put him there. If I lined up, uh, if I lined up 10 people re- real quick, uh, give, me, give me 10 people from this section. Come on, real quick. You guys here and here on the front rows. For, come, let, give me 10 real quick. Hurry, hurry, hurry. And, and we'll just count. Let me count as you come. Come on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Come on. I need three more. Keep going all the way down. Let me show you something real fast. Seven, eight, nine, ten. Good. Let me make sure I counted to ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I can do it. All right. Which one of these is first? This one? Or what if you started at this end and maybe she's first? So how do I know which one's first? Is she first or is she first? Well, let's count. There's 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. So if we were going to tithe off this, right? Well, which, you know, which one is the tithe? Well, which one is the first one? I can't tell. Is it that one? Is it this one? Where, where, which one's the first one? Can I tell you the first one? The first one is whichever one I spend first. There's your first you get that? Because you can't tell which one first. I tell which one first, but what I do with my money first. So it's supposed to be tithe. But I could have grabbed house payment. Or I could have grabbed rent payment. Or I could have grabbed groceries. Or I could have grabbed top golf. Or I could have grabbed uh, vacation. Or, 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 or I could have grabbed uh, insurance or car payment or college. Getting your hair did. <laughs> are you with me? So which one first? It's whichever one I... Spend first. That's first. See, all these are things. Are they things? Now, if I don't put God first and I put things first, then he just fell in line with everybody else. I lost the blessing. I lost the redemption. I lost the faith. It didn't take faith. Okay, thank you. Y'all sit down. You see, it always takes faith to put God first. And I don't know which one is first until I do something with it. How many understand? See, see, it's which one I do something with. You can say, well, this first, that first, which one's the tithe? It's whichever one I give to God first. And then the blessing stays on it. And so as we walk ourselves through this, we begin to understand that faith requires something to trust. If I'm going to put God first, 
I've always got to do that. Now, look, look at uh, Romans eleven sixteen. Let me help you. So if we can identify what comes first, everybody with me? Everybody with me? If I can identify what comes first, then watch what happens. If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is what? Then what happens? The whole batch is holy. You see, whatever I do first determines everything else. So when I put these 10 things that I need to deal with, I didn't say you gave God all your money. I say I put him first with my money. Make sense? I didn't say that, that you have to sit on the front row of Calvary and pray 24 hours a day, seven days a week if you're going to be a Christian. I didn't say that. I said he gets the first. I say he comes first. And whatever I do first, then what happens? If the part of the dough offered as first shoots is holy, the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. So whatever I do first determines everything that's left. And when I put God first, then everything following that is blessed or redeemed, right, or blessed. You know what the word blessed in Scripture means? That doesn't mean, you know, you sneeze, God bless you. It doesn't just mean, you know, you're happy. It doesn't just mean I got stuff. Listen, to be blessed means that there is a supernatural impartation in your life. That everything you need to fulfill God's purpose is available to you. I want to say that again. When a blessing comes on you, it means that everything you need is supernaturally provided by God to fulfill his will and purpose. So if I make the first part holy, give it to him, give it to the Lord, then what happens? Everything that follows. If I give God the root, then all my branches are good. How many like that? See, the blessing comes on that. It requires faith to put God first. So let's think about this. I want to go to Hebrews 11 and verse 8. Let's go back to Abraham. We were talking about him last week. Remember, he had to make some decisions. If I'm going to put God first, it always requires my faith. So let's read about him from the New Testament perspective. This is what we read about him after the fact. Okay? What, what does the Holy Spirit say about this man's journey to learn how to put God first? How many of you would say... It is a journey to get there sometimes. Come on, let me see your hand. Is that, is that, how many are thankful God will take you on the journey? How many are thankful he starts where you are and takes you where you need to be? We weren't, we, you were instantly saved, but then you're under construction. <laughs> how, many, how many get that? He saved me just like I was. But uh, listen, you heard me. I love these two statements. God loves us enough to save, to save us just like we are, right? You just come like you are. But he also loves us too much to leave us in that condition. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful you're not who you were the day you got saved? Aren't you thankful you, you're, you're not where you started? You're not just forgiven. Forgiveness is step one. Now you're under construction. How many are thankful? Don't look at anybody that everyone you know is still under construction. Come on. Look, they're not finished yet. They're not finished yet. Come on, be encouraged. That, that marriage is under construction. Come on, say amen. How many are thankful those kids are under construction? Come on, they're not in here now. You can, Come on. How many are thankful for that? How many children are thankful their parents are still under construction? Hallelujah. Come on. Look, look, see. So watch, what does God say at the end of this man's life? Let, let's look at these verses. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's go. I got four verses here. Let's look at this verse 8. By what? Okay, that's, see how this happened? His trust in God. How did Abram become Abraham? How did a hundred-year-old man father a child? Come on. By faith. By putting God first. Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Trusted and obeyed. Even though he did not know where he was going. 
Now, come on. We like to know where we're going, don't we? We like to know what's next. God said, you leave, and I'll tell you when you get there. That takes trust, all right? By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He was a big shot in Haran. He was a stranger in his inheritance. He lived with intents, as did Isaac and Jacob, his son and grandson, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Did you get that? Abraham wasn't just living for today. Come on, church. How many of you still believe in heaven? How many of you believe there's more to life than where we are right now? And so Abraham kind of had this double view. This is what faith says. See, see, how do I put God first? He says, I'm willing to leave the known and go to the unknown. I'm willing to walk out of the security of a house and a home and walk around and live in a tent because I trust you. Because what I'm seeing, come on, listen. Because what Abraham is seeing is not just today. He sees from now on. And he says, I'm going to go to heaven someday. Anybody going to go to heaven? I'm going to go. And I'm going to live in a place that God made. Come on, it's going to be better than anything you can build. And I'm willing to let go of what I can build to someday live in what only God can build. I'm willing to trust my God because I'm seeing something else. Okay, let's go to this next verse. Watch this. Verse 12. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. From one man, a hundred years old, without a child. Look at God. Let's drop down and let's, let's look here in this same chapter, verse 17 through 19. By faith, by faith, how did he do it? By what? Faith. Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. That means a gift, a trust. He who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Next verse. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Look at this. This is amazing. Now, Abraham didn't have the New Testament. Abraham had never heard about Jesus. Abraham, you understand? But Abraham reasoned. Okay, he made a decision. Got me? Faith is going to make some choices in life, isn't it? He reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead, from death. That was the trust he had. God, I trusted you for 25 years to give me this boy. And now you ask me to give him back. And I don't understand why you would ask me to do that. Because your word says he's the heir. Through him, all this happens. And if he dies, then that can't happen. But here's what I reason come on how many we need to get our thoughts lined up with the word we need to get our thinking lined up with God and who he is and so Abraham said you know if I have to kill this boy you're the God who can raise this boy from the dead so I don't understand what you want me to do or why I'm supposed to do this but I'm going to obey you because I got this far trusting you I reached this point believing you I have the boy because you've always been true to me and I'm not going to stop putting you first in my life you know uh, that that's critical so let's go to Genesis 22 come on let's look at this I want to work now let's let's watch it in real time and we're going to look at this for just a few minutes before we go, I want you to go to uh, chapter 22. I want you to turn there with me, please. Let's look at this. It's amazing. So, so as you're turning there, do you realize, think of this. Every step 
Abraham took, he was trusting God. Every decision he made, he was learning to trust God. Every choice. Do you know that Abraham made some mistakes along the way? Did he not? Did he not make some mistakes? Twice he, he became frightened that he might die. And he told his wife, tell these guys, you're my sister. Huh? So they won't kill me. Because if they knew I was your husband, if they get me out of the way, they can marry you. I, I say this all the time. I'm sorry. There's got to be something that Jenny Craig and everybody else doesn't have for a godly woman. This lady was, was she had been carrying her AARP card for a while. You understand what I'm saying? For a while. And she was such a righteous fox in her 80s. Come on, don't come, come on, read. Huh? Huh? That he said, Girl, you're so fine. I mean, let's tell it like it is. I mean, it wasn't, Oh, thouest, wifest of mine. Come on, that's, come on, this is Abraham's woman. This is girl. This is a sweet thing here. He walked, he said, Look, you're so fine. I'm not going to say hot or stuff like that in church, all right? So he said, you know, you're so fine. They're going to kill me to get to you. There's one of me and all of them. He said, we got to make a story up. You need to get, come on, quick. Erase everything off Facebook, quick, right now. You got you to gotta unfriend me right now. Hurry. And just say, he's my brother. My older brother. He made some mistakes. He blew it 13 ways. Come on, tell the truth. And then there are other things he did that... So this guy wasn't perfect. And on his journey to move from Abram to Abraham, from a man who started to a man who trusted God that Hebrews includes in the hall of faith, let's be encouraged. God stayed with him to get him there. The man we're about to read about in Genesis 22 is not the Abram we met in Genesis 12. He was not this man afraid to trust God. This man who wanted to give up. This man we read about last week in chapter 15 who said, God, you're never going to do it. This was a man who is not the same man who started on the journey. How many of us are thankful that God will take us from where we started to where we need to go? Along the way, he fell, but he fell forward. Listen, it's not your perfection that's going to get you there. It's your direction that's going to get you there. So if you fall, get up and fall forward. If you fall, get up and go after. After God, keep moving. God will take you from a idol-worshiping heathen named Abram from, from Ur the Chaldees to a mighty man of God who is the friend of God, who's the father of everyone who has faith, who's counted righteous. Why? Because he came to one conclusion in his life. I can trust God. God is trustworthy. And so we go to Genesis chapter 22 and we look at verse number one. Let's just watch this event in real time. It's stunning to me, the reality of this. When you think of what he went through and what God did in his life, it's, it's absolutely amazing to see this. So, so look, Genesis 22, there's always sequence and timing. Someone say sequence, timing, development. When God gets you to the right place. So Genesis 22, 1, notice what we read. Sometime later. <laughs> that's an understatement. Sometime later. Sometime later than what? After the promises and the failures and the returns and the altars and the growing and the trusting, God had him where he needed to be. 
He had a man of God. He had a man of faith. He had a man who learned to put God first. He had a man who trusted God. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Now, now, let's watch this. Religion reads that word test in scripture and says, God is going to slap you around to see what you can take. God's going to do something bad to you. Listen, why do you take a test? Listen, listen. Why do you, what's the reason for a test? To see if you qualify to go to the next level. Did you get that? God only tests you. And the Bible says, and let's look at this, 1 Corinthians 10, there is no test or temptation that confronts you, but such is the kind that are common to man. Are you ready? But God is faithful, who will not permit or let you be tested beyond your ability. Huh? For with the temptation, God will prepare the way out for you. So when the test comes, can I give you some good news? God already has screened it and says, they got this if they trust me. They've got this if they trust me. So why did the test come? Are you ready? Because God's ready to promote you to the next level in your life. So the next time you face a test, instead of saying, oh, I'm not going to make it, say, wow, God really trusts me. God's bigger than this. See, when David killed the lion and the sheep, he had, or the lion and the bear, he had lion and bear faith. But then God said, I've been watching my boy and he's doing good. So I'm going to throw this Goliath in his path. So what did he say? He didn't put David in front of Goliath to get slapped around, beat up, knocked down, bleeding, broken, barely alive, and say, yes, God, I love you. No, that wasn't the reason for the test. The reason for the test, he said, this boy's ready. This boy's ready. I got a plan for him. He's going to be the king. He's going to be the mighty leader, a mighty general, a man after my own heart. But before I can get him to the throne, he's got to knock a giant down. And I'm not going to let him face the giant till he's ready. Or how many are with me right now? And so we begin to see the reason for the test is promotion. If you're in a test right now, God's getting ready to promote you. If you'll trust God in your test right now, you're about to step to another level. Anybody understand what I'm saying? You've been killing lions and bears, but you're bigger than a lion killer. You're greater than a bear killer. You're about to be a giant killer. So now, if we want to stay in the nursery all of our life, that's all right. But if you want to live your life at the highest level and you want to pass the test, then we're going to have to trust in God. Anybody with me? There's nothing wrong with spiritual babies, but when I'm parting beards and mustaches to stick the bottle, in I'm getting tired of it see and so what I'm trying to say is it's not wrong to have a test but it is wrong to never pass one it's not wrong to have a test but it is wrong to never be ready for the next one in your life it is wrong to not believe God's bigger so when when Abraham got there and God tested him it wasn't to steal his boy it wasn't to break his life it was to promote him to the next level so he said here I am here I am Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, look at this, whom you love. Mm. And go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I'll tell you about. So Abraham, Abraham, you still love me? Yes, I do. You still trust me? Yes, I do. Then I want your best. I want your first. I want your everything. I want your boy that you love. I want you to sacrifice. By the horror of that moment, I can't imagine. Because God never, you know, makes idle declaration. God said it. What's Abraham going to do? Am I going to trust him or not? He had a choice. What if he wouldn't have obeyed God? Have you ever thought about that? 
What if he would have said, God, I can't do it. God wouldn't have killed Abraham. God wouldn't have killed Isaac. But you know what would have happened for the rest of his life? Think of this. This is what happens when you don't trust God. You'll never understand God before you obey him. Think of, think of his life. Had he not obeyed God for the rest of his life, his thoughts about God would have been, God's a mean God. God wanted to kill my boy. God wanted to make me a murderer. God doesn't make sense to me. God's a bad God. You know, all these people running around in our culture today saying the ridiculous things about God are people who don't know God. People who don't have a relationship with God. People who don't know what they're talking about. People who are rattling and prattling and have no idea about the greatness of God. God won't make sense to you until you obey him. For the rest of his life, God would have been wicked and mean and unkind and unfair. He would have lived his life thinking, what a cruel God. See that? Every time he looked at Isaac, the joy would have been gone. Instead of Isaac being a reminder every day of his life, look at the faithfulness of God. Look what God did for me. Look at the promise of God. Look at this boy. Every time he saw him, it would have been guilt, shame, the reminder, I didn't trust God. And then what happens when you don't trust someone in a relationship, you begin to distance yourself in a relationship. And this close encounter that Abraham had with God, this father of our faith who was a man who'd learned to walk with God, then he starts sliding away from God because I don't trust him. I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to say anything to him. What else is he going to ask me to do? You understand that? And while dad is drifting away from God, Sarah's drifting away from God. Isaac's drifting away from God. The promises are drifting away from God. Everything in the plan of God is drifting. And what have I taught you? God works in connections and Satan works in the gap. And it would have been a rest of his life, a downward journey in faith and misunderstanding and bitterness and conflict. Why? Because he didn't trust God. That's how it works. So what did he do, though? Verse 3. Early the next morning. My God. Can I tell you something? The sooner you obey God, the easier it's going to be. The sooner you obey him, the easier it's going to be. Can, can I help you something? Delayed obedience is disobedience. Just call it what it is. You know, the I'm going to is not. Someday I'm going to do what God said. No, you didn't. You said no. Someday may never come. So, so, so the harder it is, the quicker you better say yes. Anybody understand what I'm saying? The harder it is, just say yes. Just pile in. Just go for it. You understand? It's like when, uh, when, when I used to be a disruptive kid in church and my dad finally looked over and said, when we get home, I'm going to whip you. Then I sat there the whole church. My God, my God, my God. I wanted to just say, can we just go on outside right now and get over with? I was a crazy kid, I guess. I actually... Just whip me, please. I don't want to think about it anymore. Let's just, just get it done. The harder it is, go for it first. Anybody with me? All right. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, now watch this. This is absolutely over the top. You think, you think we've ever given God an offering? <laughs> I think you think I've ever trusted God? Do you think I've ever 
done God a favor because I raised my hand about half mast in worship service? Think I, come on, think, think I worship? You know, I had a bad week. I came to church, but I didn't feel like singing today. I'm not going to worship today. I've had a bad week. How do you expect me to worship? It's 22 degrees windshield outside. I'm, God ought to be happy I woke up today. That's what I'm telling you. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Look at this. Verse 5. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship. We will worship. We will worship. We will worship. I'm going to go worship. I'm going to go give God the best thing I have. I'm going to go put God first in my life. I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm going to empty it out. I'm going to give him everything I have, everything I prayed for, everything I believe for, everything I walked for 25 years and however long the boy is now. We're going to go worship. Oh, my God. Can you imagine that worship service? It would be crickets. Chirp, chirp, chirp. Next Sunday. We're going to have worship. We're going to have Abraham worship next Sunday at Calvary. Come on, don't look at me funny. Well, what's Abraham worship? Oh, just this. I want your house. I want your car. I want your kids. I want your IRA. I want your stock account. I want your retirement account. Just back a truck up. Everybody just get a, I want everything here. That's going to be worship next Sunday. Come on. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. How many are going to be here next Sunday? Cricket, cricket, cricket. I'm not going to do it. Just relax. Because I'm not God. I can't ask you for that. And never will. That's God. But you just try to relate to this. We're going to go worship. My God. I bet he didn't have goosebumps. I bet there was no praise and worship going. He just said, I'm going to put you first. And he called it worship. And then look at this. And then he says, and, and then we'll come back. <laughs> We're going to come back. He said, why did, that wasn't a random statement. Why, you got to get this. Why did he say that? It wasn't because he wanted the boy to come back with him. And he did. Are you with me? It wasn't wishful thinking. It wasn't uh, half-stepping with God and saying, yeah, it's not hard to kill him uh, and sacrifice because I'm going to bring it back. No, the reason he said we're going to come back is for one reason. Because God said, that boy is going to be your heritage. There's only one reason he made that statement. He said, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to give the boy to God. And it's God's business to give the boy back to me. Did you hear what I just said? It's my business to give the boy to God. And it's God's business to give the boy back to me. But why did he say that? Not because he wanted it. Not because he liked it. Not because it eased the offering. But because God said he would do it. And he just said, I trust God. I'm going to do what God said. I'm going to walk worship. But I know this isn't Christianity 101. It's probably 1001. We're up in the PhD level here. So Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering look and place the wood on his son dear god the boy's carrying his wood he's going to be burned on and look at this 
and he himself carried the fire and the knife. Ah, I could preach on that. You got to carry your own fire. I mean, come on, you're going to trust God. You better keep some fire on the inside. This is people that are burnt out and cold and don't know God, hadn't prayed in 13 years. You don't know how to put God first. But if you're going to put God first and you're going to worship God with your best, you got to carry some fire on the inside. Half dead, lukewarm, petrified Christians aren't going to walk up to the mountain and carry their best and make God first. You're going to have to have some fire. Anybody with me today? I've been leading you to 22. I know this isn't for the faint of heart. Come on, stay with me. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, placed it on his son, Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, verse 7 was the thing he had dreaded the whole time. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The boy said, the fire and wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Dear God. (laughs) That boy, that boy was no child. He knew something's missing here. And he's getting real close. (laughs) Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. And then bound his son Isaac. Laid him on the altar. On top of the wood. Do you realize that Abraham was an old, 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 old man? He had a young, strong boy. Maybe we always talk about Abraham's faith. What about Isaac's faith? Who let his father lay him down on that altar. And he knew what that meant. And laid still while his old dad tied him down. Dear God. How did you get a boy like that? Because he had a father like that. How did you get a boy that will trust God like that? Because you've been watching a daddy trust God like that. How do you get a son to trust his father to tie him up and lay him on the altar because he had watched his father live on the altar? How did you get a boy that would trust his father because Abraham had showed him how to trust his father? When you get to that place, there's so much here. We, every verse is a book. When, when they had reached the place, Abram told him about it. He bound him, laid him on the altar. Verse 10. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. The knife is over the boy. And God says, Abraham. Now, I would think that that would be a poor time to try to learn the voice of God. You mean, you mean to tell me you want to get to that point in your life? <laughs> the knife's over the boy? And he says, Abraham. And you say, you know, I don't know if that's God or not. God don't ever talk to me. Does God still? I, I mean, you better know. You better know the voice. <laughs> you better know who's talking. But you don't learn that. It's too late to learn it at that moment. You better have been walking in a relationship, putting him first in your life, doing what he says. See, if I don't do the first thing he tells me, I never hear the second thing he's going to tell me. If I never obey him on the first step, I never learn the voice that guides me all my steps. If every conversation with God stops with disobedience, I never know what his voice sounds like. But if I say yes here, then he says, now, George, we're going to do this now. Yes. And then I get over he says now we're going to do this yes sir now we're going to do this now we're going to do this and 25 years later when he says Abraham I want you to take the boy he knows that voice so well by putting God first that he knows it's God when said God take him and he knows it's God when God says stop it's a relationship it's a relationship I think it's interesting 
Verse 20, verse 1 in this whole chapter says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, listen, here I am, he replied. Okay? Now we're over here on the other end of this thing. Are you with me? Look at this. And watch this. Watch this. But the angel of the Lord, I'm in verse 11, called out to him from heaven, Abraham, just like he started. And what did he say? Here I am. Same thing. You get that? If it works on the front end, it'll work on the back end of this thing. If I know him in the start, I'll know him in the finish. Anybody with me? Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything. Look at this. Now I know. You passed the test. You passed the test. Now I know. I didn't know when you were walking up the hill. I didn't know the day I told you. I didn't know for sure. He said, I know now. Now I know. You passed the test. You passed the test. See, I didn't. God never wanted the boy dead. He wanted Abraham to trust him. The boy was never the issue. Abraham was the issue. It wasn't Isaac laying on the altar. It was Abraham laying on the altar. That's where God was going. Now, now I know. You fear God because you're not withheld from me, your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. See, the whole time that he was walking up that hill, God had a ram walking up the other side of the hill. The whole time that he was wondering, what am I going to do with this boy? God already had an answer for the boy. See, Jesus is the sacrifice, the lamb, the ram. While we think I'm going to die, Jesus has already been on that cross. When we think there's no way to go, it's already been paid. He said, what am I going to put on the altar? God said, if you give me your boy, I'll give him back to you. If you give me first, I'll take care of the rest. If you wonder what I'm going to sacrifice, just trust me. I'll have something ready. You understand, before you obey God, he looks mean and hard and cruel and it doesn't understand. But on the other side of obedience, you begin to meet a God who's always in front of you, who already knows where you're going, who already has a ram when you don't know about the ram. God looks mighty good on this side of obedience. Everybody with me? He looks smart and wise and amazing and powerful and miraculous. That's why people bashing God, I just kind of chuckle. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't even know my God. You have never obeyed him. You haven't trusted him. You don't know what he's like. You haven't given him your life. How can you criticize what you don't know? How can you denigrate what you've never trusted? How can you say he doesn't exist when you've never given him a chance to show you who he is in your life? Verse 14. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. The first time in scripture God ever said, I'm going to show you who I am. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord, your provider. The first revelation of that in scripture. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Now listen, worship team come very quickly. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham, listen, from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, listen, declares the Lord, that because... You've done this. You put me first. And have not withheld your son, your only son. Verse 17. I will surely bless you. And make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And as the sand on the seashore. Listen, the King James says, listen. In blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply you. I mean, he just said, look, look, look. All right. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations will be blessed. Look at his final sentence. I don't know if it's up here. Because you obeyed me. You trust me. Come on, let's stand together right now. Everybody, let's stand. Because you trusted me.
You trusted me because you trusted me. Trust has to be earned, doesn't it? Right? In a relationship, trust has to be earned. You don't trust somebody you the first time you meet them. You may like their look. You may think they seem nice, but you got a little baby. And the first time you meet somebody, you're going to hand them that baby? No way, man. No way. You got that, listen, you got that first child or, or some of your grandparents, come on, you got that first grandchild. You're just going to walk up and hand that baby to a stranger. Have you lost your mind? Trust is a process. And as we take this relationship of putting God first, come on, trust grows. Trust grows. Abraham, I want your best. Early the next morning, here, God. Here's my best. At the end of it, okay, that's enough, Abraham. Here, I want to show you something. I'm your provider. You didn't know me like this. Now you know something about me you've never known before. And everything through you is going to be blessed because you put me first.